Hello and welcome to True to the Bible podcast with Hunter Davis. Thanks for joining us for our next lesson in our series over marriage. This series is called A Strong Marriage Before Marriage. And we're going to be interviewing several different couples who have been married for a long time and have some wisdom for us to glean. Our series is based on the Proverbs 3, 13 and 14, where it says that wisdom is more valuable than silver or even gold. As we seek to learn from these couples, we'll gain wisdom and understanding and application for our lives today and for our future as we look at being prepared to be married. Well, thanks again for joining us. We hope that you enjoy this lesson. All right, well, as you guys know, we've been doing this series of Strong Marriage Before Marriage, and we've been interviewing couples on different topics. And as we interview them, you know that the main theme verse or the theme verse or what we've been uh, basing everything off of is this verse right here. It's Proverbs 3, 13, and 14. It says, Happier, blessed is the one who finds wisdom and the one who obtains understanding. For her income is better than the income of silver and her revenue than that of gold. She is more precious than rubies, and all that uh, or all your desires uh, cannot compare with her. And so, what we've been doing is we've been looking at uh, marriage in the light of wisdom, and we've been saying, "Hey, we want this wisdom that's more valuable than silver or gold." And so, it, as we do that, we interview couples, and we interview uh, different, well, different couples. And I'm really nervous today because it's my mom and dad. Okay, that's why I'm like stumbling around up here. Usually, I'm like kind of witty and ready to like you know, uh, make fun of whoever's coming up here, like Buddy and Barb or whatever, but uh, I'm having trouble coming up with stuff because it's my mom and dad, so, uh, but today's topic is uh, love, okay, how should I love my spouse, or how can I love my spouse, and really, the idea behind it is, none of you guys in here, other than Bryn, Lori, me, and Haley, and other than the adults, are married yet, but if we go into marriage with the correct mindset or with the right mindset of what love is, uh, the definition of love, what is unconditional love, what is sacrificial love, then it's really going to help your marriage a lot. And uh, me and Haley were actually talking about, not that long ago, just some things that we had, that certain people have told us before marriage, before we went into marriage, and several of them related back to this like sacrificial love thing. And so like if you understand that going into marriage, you're going to be more wise and your marriage is going to be better because of it. It's going to be uh, more blessed, as Proverbs 3.13 says. So, um, without further ado, I'll go ahead and have them come up here. Uh, this is David and Stacy, my mom and dad, so give them a round of applause. Like I said, I don't have anything witty to say, because I don't really want to make fun of my parents. Uh, but, uh, yeah, well, yeah, sorry buddy and Barb. You're not my parents, so. Um, so today we're talking about sacrificial love, but uh, before we start, I just want them, like always, to tell us a little bit about yourself. So give us like three minutes of uh, kind of your love story or whatever. Don't make it too embarrassing for me, though. <laughs> We've been married for 32 years, um, and we knew each other in high school. First met in uh, our fresh, well, actually, we didn't even meet. Our freshman year of high school is when I first knew who he was. I think I was still a blank, so. Um, I knew because I sat, I moved in the middle of the year to a science class, there were two tables that I could choose to sit at because it was in the middle of the year. And one of them was his, he sat by himself. 
and the other one was a girl, so I sat by the girl. <laughs> but the girl knew him and <laughs> liked him, and so I heard all about him. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't like her. So. <laughs> <laughs> but later on, probably my sophomore year, then our parents, my parents visited his church um, for a video series that they wanted to go to and became really good friends with his parents. So they became best friends. Um, while we were in high school and then uh, by the time that we were seniors then uh, when he figured out that I did not like his best friend who liked me then he decided he would ask me to date him after basketball season so, so for me um, I was attracted to her because of her insides Okay, and that's something I've always been trying to teach my daughters is first Peter talks about the adornment of the outside, the braided hair, and the jewelry and all that stuff. But what it really says is the beauty comes from the inside. And, and I've told her this before, so I'm, I don't know, I should, probably shouldn't say it. I'm not going to say it because it's on <laughs> this right here. <laughs> but... That's what attracted to me to her was her beauty from the inside. Her beauty on her outside has grown and grown and grown and grown to me to where now she's more beautiful today than she ever was. Okay? But the inside is what's the most important if you want a good guy, in my opinion. And while he was good looking in high school, all the girls liked him, but it was because he loved the Lord and he wanted to please the Lord. And that is what attracted me to him, to be honest. The, the, that was the most important thing to me was that he, he wanted God first in his life. Are you serious? It wasn't that bicep? <laughs> it, it, was, it, was a, it was something good that came along with it. Yeah. <laughs> That's good. See, before this, my dad said, we're going to answer these questions so fast, we're going to be done with these easy and it that took like five minutes, minutes okay. to introduce himself. We'll go through He's already guys. got up on his soapbox and everything. <laughs> um, so I want to share this verse as we get going. These are verses that we're going to actually talk about next week with Brent and Lori. They're our next couple, by the way. And uh, But I wanted to share them really quick because uh, going into this lesson, we're talking about love, and these are some good verses that just show us that wives and husbands ought to be loving each other. And, and we're going to talk a lot about these next week, so I'm not going to dive into them. We're going to be spending our time in 1 Corinthians 13. Um, if you want to open your Bibles there, um, we'll talk about that in a minute. But this is uh, Ephesians 5, 22, and 20, uh, 22 through 33. It says, Wives to their own husbands, uh, as unto the Lord. Because the husband is the head of wives, so it says wives be subject. I don't know why that slash is there. But, but wives be subject to their own husbands, as to the Lord. Because the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is also the head of the church. He himself being the Savior of the body, but as... Uh, as the church is subject to Christ, thus also wives should be subject to their husbands in everything. Husbands, you are to love your wives, just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her in order that he might sanctify her by cleansing her with the washing of water by the word, in order that he might present himself the church glorious, not having any spot or wrinkle or such thing, but that she may be holy and blameless. Thus husbands ought to also love their own wives as their own body uh, and the uh, the one who loves his own wife loves himself. For the, no one ever hated his own flesh, but he nourished it and cherished it, uh, just also as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. For this reason a man shall leave his father and mother, shall clean or be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is great, but I'm speaking in reference to Christ and the church. 
Only you also, each one of you, must love, thus love his own wife as himself, and the wife must respect your husband. So, I just want to share those as we're going into this, because we know that in the marriage relationship, we need to be loving one another. We know that we need to love our husband and love our wife. And that's what we're talking about today. So, for you guys, question number two, did either of you go into marriage with incorrect ideas of what love uh, was? And did that result in negative res- results explained? And you could even go into... Um, you know, examples that you've seen in other couples or anything like that? Our answer is pretty similar on this. And, you know, with maturity, you get a level of understanding as you mature. And I've seen in my kids that at 18, they think they know everything. At 21, they realize, well, I still know everything. But when they get to 24, they realize, Dad knew a whole lot more than I thought he knew. So with maturity becomes comes understanding. I was 23 when we got married, so I had the maturity level of a 23-year-old. And so I don't think we, neither one of us went into marriage with the wrong view of marriage. We just didn't have a full, the fullest understanding of marriage. And we don't even have it now. Been married 30-some years. We're still learning uh, what that love really looks like. Yeah, I mean, I don't think that um, I had a wrong perspective. I knew it wasn't the fairy tale love ever after. I knew it was a choice, and I think that's important to know. But you never know what you're going to have to sacrifice as life goes on. I mean, that's just you know, the, the sacrifices that you're going to have to make or the ways in which you're going to have to love. Um, we can't know that ahead of time. And so you grow in that, and, and the Lord walks with you in that when you're seeking Him. Yeah. And so along with that, have you guys ever seen, like, um, without like names or anything, but seeing other couples or other people who it looks like, at least from the outside, or you, maybe you even talk to them, who do have the incorrect ideas of how what long love we got? Is. How long? We got? <laughs> um, yeah, you do see it, and mostly it's selfishness. Okay, there's a term I want you to remember. It's called meism. Have anyone ever heard of meism? That's the thought that it's all about me. And so, even in my own life, when we were early married. Probably Hunter and Haley's age. I don't know how many kids we had by then, but we had a boatload of them. Uh, But I I still, even as a Christian, a guy that's wanting to be a good father, I still had selfishness in me. And And I lived for myself a lot. And it's in work. Okay, I worked a lot because I enjoyed work. And I enjoyed being successful. It was in my playtime. I liked golfing. I liked playing basketball. And my wife was very gracious. I mean, we really never fought about me doing all my stuff that I wanted to do, okay? But one of the questions is, is a negative result of my selfishness. And I used to go on golf trips with my dad and my brother and another guy. And one year we were on a golf trip, and my wife calls me. I'm in Phoenix, Arizona on the golf course, golfing. She calls me. And I'm like, oh, what's going on? She says, dear, me and the kids want to get these two little puppies. Okay, understand, I, I don't like pets. Okay, and I've always kind of had a rule I wasn't going to have pets. But here I am on a selfish golf trip. And uh, what do you think my answer was? Go ahead and get the puppies. <laughs> So that was my negative result right there. Is I had to deal with puppies for 20, I don't know how long they lasted. But for a long time, I had to deal with them dogs because I was out on a golf trip. 
Well, I, I do think, too, on the everyday that when we um, live in a way that is not loving, that, that those marriages, and even times in our lives when we are living not in love, it causes frustration, and it, it just causes anger. It causes it, tension in a marriage. And so um, that, those would be the negative results, and they happen even in our marriage. It's just that we work through them and don't stay in them um, because we're both sinners. So, um, yeah. Yeah, that's good. Um, did you guys? So those are some negative results that have happened in your own marriage because uh, you've been selfish in certain areas. What do you guys think? Someone like the top areas of selfishness, and I know that there's a lot of areas, but like from what you've seen in marriages in our culture today, what are some of the top marriage? Top three. Yeah, the top top. Okay, top three ways that people are areas that people are selfish: husbands and wives. Time, money, and sex. I would say careers too. So, uh, well, especially because I'm a female, so I see it in the wives, and I, it's something that when you talk about the roles, I'm sure you'll talk about the roles of the wife as the helper, and sometimes there becomes a lot of tension because a wife is so focused on a career rather than than being the helper of her husband, and so if my pursuit was my career rather than my husband, you know what happens when his job takes him somewhere else. What happens when somebody's needed to be home with young children, right? So I think that that one is a, can also be a really big contention, is the careers. And, it, and it's both sides. So that was her view, but there's a negative on the guy's view, and it, it's about money. Okay, so I, I, I don't really, I need her to work. I need her to work. Why? Because we can have that two incomes, and that we can do more, and we can add more. Okay. So it's kind of the root is money, but there's one view, the woman, she she really wants to have a career, but then there's sometimes where the woman wants to stay home and be the uh, the mother, the nurturer of her children, and yet she's getting pressure from the guy because he wants that double income coming in. So I've seen both cases on that. Yeah, so what about time? Like what is, where do you see that as? people being selfish, like give us some examples of where time is selfish and how that negatively affects the marriage. Well. You already talked about one. I know, I talked about one. Philippians chapter 2 talks about considering other people more important than yourself. Okay? And that's the opposite of meism. And when time, it's just about what I want to do with my time. And I said I wanted to play basketball. I wanted to go golfing. And I didn't mind working 80 hours a week because I was building success, okay? So for me, that's where my struggle for my own time was, for time. Yeah, and I think the wife can do it just as much as the, as the husband can as far as just my time, what I want to do, what, you know. Because my time is my time. And same thing with money. Okay, my money is my money. Okay, and so you have issues there. And, you know, as a husband in, in a one-income family where she's really not working, she's had feelings of, I want my own money. And so she'll do garage sales. And she, she's like, man, this is my money. Because I can't buy you a gift. I, I know, she can't buy me a gift, you know. But... In reality, we can't have none of those feelings in a good marriage. It can't be mine on anything. My time, my marriage, or my money, 
it's ours. And money has a lot of fights in marriages. And fortunately, we haven't really had too many fights with money because I've just let her spend as much as she wanted. So within what we have. <laughs> That's kind of a joke, but partly true. He is very, very like lets me have an opinion. So the negative results is that you get puppies if you if your time, you know, if you're selfish with your time. What are some other negative things that come like within a marriage if you're if you're being selfish with your time or other things? Just like even little things that maybe not you've necessarily even seen in your own, but just you've seen in marriages in general. Well, your relationship is going to wane. I mean, if you if you're not spending time with one another, then your relationship is is not going to be bonding the way that it needs to. You're not going to be investing. Um, the the people that you're investing your time with, those are the people you're going to draw closer to, and you're going to there's going to widen that gap if you are completely selfish with your time, um, aside from the frustration that the other person has and yeah. fights and quarrels, mm-hmm. fights and quarrels. I mean, James chapter four says fights and quarrels come from your desires that battle within you. So I have this desire about time. We're going to have a fight and quarrel. I have this desire about money. We're going to have this fight and quarrel. I have these desires about sex. We're going to have fights and quarrels. Okay, it's these desires that I have, selfish desires that battle within me, that causes these fights and quarrels. Okay, James chapter four says they lead to killings. Okay, you look at you look at. Uh, a police station has these domestic violence uh, departments. I mean, they all are dealing with this type of stuff because husbands and wives are fighting. They call the cops, and it's all about some desire, whether she has this desire, this evil desire that's battling within her, or I have one that's battling within me, and it's all about me anyway. So then we start fighting, and the cops get called. Okay? That's the reality of a lot of marriages out there if they're not loving the way Christ teaches us to love, sacrificial love. I mean, a stop to some of those too, though, you have to think about is like if I'm being very selfish with um, something and he chooses to just let me have it, he chooses to sacrifice, um, that actually, there's, there's not an argument, right? Um, not, now, I'm not saying go do that because your husband or your wife is always giving in. Um, but I mean, we, it needs to go both ways, and eventually it's going to crash if it doesn't. But it takes two people to argue, and so we're both being selfish by the time that we're arguing over it. Yeah, that's good. And so we've been talking a lot about the negative. So what is sacrificial love? We're going to look at First Corinthians 13. If you guys have your Bibles, you can turn there. If not, it's up on the screen for you guys. Um, and this is this actually this is talking. I don't know if you guys know First Corinthians very well, but this is talking within context of the church and spiritual gifts. But it's a, there's a great definition, I think, of love in here. Um, and so we, we can take this definition of love and apply it to other things uh, like marriage. So I'm going to read 1 Corinthians 13, and then we got a couple questions for them on it. It says, If I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but I do not have love, I become a ringing brass gong or a clashing cymbal. And if I have the gift of prophecy and I know all mysteries and knowledge, and if I have all faith, so as to move or remove mountains, but I don't have love, I am nothing. And if I uh, parcel out or give away all my possessions, and if I hand over my body in order to be burned, or if I sacrifice my own life, but I don't have love, it benefits me nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is not jealous. It does not boast. It does not become conceited. 
does not behave dishonorably, it is not selfish, it does not become angry, it does not keep a record of wrongs, it does uh, not rejoice at unrighteousness, but rejoice with the truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends or never fails. For where there are prophecies, they will pass away, and where there are tongues, they will cease. If there is knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part, we prophesy in part, but when perfection comes, the partial or imperfect will disappear. When I was a child, I spoke like a child, and I thought like a child, and I reasoned like a child. But when I became a man, I set aside the things of a child. For we now we know, uh, or now we see, sorry, through a mirror, uh, indirectly, but then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, but then I will know completely, just as I have been completely known. For these three remain faith, hope, and love, and the greatest of these is love. So I think that they've uh, come up with a few things uh, for them, but basically the question is, what does sacrificial love look like every day within marriage? Uh, and we're going to go through 1 Corinthians 13, all of, let's see, these character quality, or all these definitions of love, and just give us some practical examples of what that looks like within marriage and how you guys see that, the definition of those kind. So I thought we'd go through each one of these, and I'll give an example of how I need to have patience with her and things and then she will do the same for me now it could be easily done that i give the one that she, i could say how she needs to be patient with me but that's that's not the way we view scripture we view scripture as how does it need to apply to me not how it applies to someone else okay so patient um i have to wait on her to get dressed you know um and then the other one is the church i've got to wait on her when she's talking to other people you know, now I can go get the car and pull it up and be ready for her. But, you know, I, I realize that when she's in there, she's ministering or talking to people. And sometimes it's about stuff that's not really ministry. But a lot of times it is. So I just have to be patient. And when she comes, she comes. And he is. He's patient. Um, I was reminded of a time um, in my life when I had to be patient on God to work in his heart. And I think that's a really important part of this. Um, I was very young married, and I was convinced that, <clears throat> and I, I would go as far as to say, I was convicted that for me, I, we needed to get rid of the TV, the cable in our home. <clears throat> my children were small, and it was wasting my time like none other. I'd set some old movie on, and I'd be cleaning the house and have it on for a distraction while they're napping, and I'd wind up sitting down and watching, right? And so I was convicted, this does not need to be in my house. We do not need this. Now, this is not a sin issue, okay? But I talked to my husband, and, and probably a little too much, I don't know, but I talked to him and talked to him and talked to him, and so he finally gave in. He said, okay, we'll get rid of the TV. And so the cable went away for about three months until football season came. <laughs> and cable came right back in. You see, that was Stacy convicting David. That wasn't a conviction, right? That, that was just me getting him to do it. And so at that point, I sat back and just um, prayed for God because I really believe this is what God was wanting. So I said, Lord, then you convict him. This is what, this is, if this is what you want in our family and in our life right now, then, then, I, then you convict him. You, you do this. You do this work in his heart to get rid of this TV. And I don't remember how long it was, you know, if it was, you know, the next spring or a year. I don't remember. But he went to a Promise Keepers um, thing, and he came home, and he said, I want to get rid of the TV. <laughs> and it was gone for years. For years we had no TV, uh, no cable TV. Um, and that was God at work. And it stayed because it was God at work. It wasn't me at work. 
um, in, in his life and in what we needed to do. And so I think that there's many times when God's going to, I'm grateful that I already had that desire within me. God had already put that desire because then I was able to go, yeah, I'm on board. It would have been a lot harder, but I did have to wait. And so I think God really worked in that to, to really show that to, to me. Love is kind. Mine are real simple. Hers are really deep. Mine are real simple. Kind. I just have to walk slow when she's with me. See how much okay. I used to get, I mean, she would get frustrated because I, I walk fast. I got long stride. And when we're together, I just have to like walk slow. <laughs> kindness is, is a lot it's a lot in the way we speak it's in the what we think we do and it's going to part of kindness I think is knowing what the other person desires knowing what their likes and dislikes are and how I can be kind in those ways and it can and, and in my voice in my tone of voice in the way that I'm speaking am I speaking kindly um, I, it can be as little as just fixing a favorite food you know as a wife um, making sure he comes home to a peaceful home or to a clean home it didn't always happen um, but you know, just knowing knowing those, knowing what what means something to them, I think is important. Now, usually I came home to the instructions of take care of this one right here, Caleb. Take care of Hunter before we do anything. Take care of the boys. Okay, envy. Envy is similar to jealousy, but my definition of envy is you don't want someone to enjoy what they have. Like if Caleb has a truck, I could be jealous of that truck, and I want his truck. But envious is I don't even want him to enjoy his truck that he has, okay? So if I'm not envious, when she has something good going on in life, okay, I, 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 don't, I don't want it not to be good for her. I want it to be good for her. So that's how, whether she has a good Bible study and she has people coming to her Bible study Friday morning and I don't have nobody coming to my Sunday school class on Sundays, you know, I can't be envious of her success. I want her success to be more successful. I think for me, choosing to trust God, when he talked earlier about his playing ball, y'all, when we were early married, his brother could just like have a bad day and they were off playing ball <laughs> for hours. <laughs> and it would be really easy to have been discontent. I think that I had to choose to be content with the time I did have him rather than envying the time that his brother did have with him. Um, and so that's part of it, just, you know, and then p focusing on the positives that were going on, um, you know, the times that I, so that's part of the contentment is really just focusing on the, the, the part that I do have. Boasting, uh, this is the one that's hard, hard for me, not boasting. So it's trying to have a humble attitude. Notice I said trying to have a humble attitude. I need to have a humble attitude. It's not having to be right. I mean, I heard a statement two weeks ago. Is it more important for me, do I need to be right, or do I need to l her love most? And I really can answer that. I want her love most, but the way I live, a lot of times is I want to be right most. So, and then not reminding her of when I'm right. <coughs> so those are some things that I need to work on on not being boastful. Pretty much the same. So I, really the main thing I thought is not holding it over when I'm right. You know, not putting it out there. Proud. I don't have no advice and will let my wife answer <laughs> I think um, a lot of this is, goes back to what you said in boasting too, just choosing to hear the perspective of the other person, choosing to you know, know that we can actually both be right from different perspectives. Um, 
remembering God's grace to both of us. Um, Romans 3, 5, isn't that right? 3, 5 or 5, yeah. But anyway, Christ died for us while we five were eight. still sinners. 5, 8. Oh, sorry. I'm terrible references. Anyway, Christ died for us while we were still, you know. He died for me while I was still in my sin. And this changes my perspective dramatically. And so if I'm viewing it through that, then, I mean, I have nothing, right? But the thing is, is he also did that for him, you know. And so it just changes how I can view that. And just the pride can just go away. And it just, um, I did learn earlier, uh, quite a few years ago, about pride. We have a completely different personalities. And so he's the, he's the jock that went around and, you know, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm the star quarterback player, you know, I'm this, I'm that, you know, that would have been his area of pride, not that he was totally prideful there, but I mean, that would have been his struggle area. My struggle area was a self-introspective viewpoint, and so when I learned that that was pride, that was life-changing for me, so the person, so the person, the person, yeah, self-pity, the person at the party that's overstanding in the corner really sad because nobody's my friend, nobody will talk to me and um, I'm just really sad, um, is just as prideful because you're focused on yourself. You are not focused outward. And so whenever we're focused on ourselves, it's pride. And I think that was really eye-opening to me that I was just as prideful as he was. It just manifests in a different way. Love is not rude. Um, I'm a pretty harsh speaking guy all the time. I'm in charge of stuff. It's just the way I talk. And... So I have to learn with her especially to be more gentle, to use softer words and less harsh words, um, not snapping. I don't even know if I snap, but some people snap. Okay, I just, that's just the way I talk all the time, I think. Uh, always snapping. Always snapping. <laughs> and here's another one. Uh, not being rude is when she makes a comment and I give her a look that makes her feel like she's crazy. Okay? And I don't even know what that look is, but I, I know I give it to her. Okay? So, I know I give her the look that makes her feel like she's crazy when she says something. That's being rude. Okay? I need to just not give a look, smile or something. So, those are my things I'm working on being not rude. I think it's important to think about that. Here's a negative thing, but there's a positive right above it. Kindness is the fix for rudeness, right? So we need to strive to be kind. Um, but also on the rudeness, it just made me remember a time of rudeness for me, realizing an idol. Sometimes these, when we are sinning, when we're in any kind of sin, um, including rudeness, one time I was very, very rude to my daughter. And <coughs> I realized that I had an idol. In other words, I had something I wanted from her, right, more than I wanted God. Whenever you're sinning, say, what is it that I wanted so badly that I was willing to sin to get it? Because that is your idol. It means that you have just put that above God. And so be very, very careful. But that's very, it helps you to really analyze and determine what it is. And so when I'm rude to him, I can look and go, okay, wait, what is it that I'm wanting from him? Because I'm wanting that more than I want God. And it might be a good desire. It may not even be a bad thing. It might be a really good desire. But it's, it's a bad desire if it's put above God. <clears throat> Love is not self-seeking. And again, that's the opposite of meism. So for me in this relationship, it's like I try to prefer what she wants around the house. Toilet paper coming over a certain way. 
To me, it doesn't matter as long as we got toilet paper. But for her, it matters. So when I'm exchanging the toilet paper, I'll put it on the way she wants. That's another thing of kindness. Uh, um, things inside the house, the way she prefers it to do or operate. You know, where we put the glasses, where we put the spices, you know. I don't need to have my way on those things, okay? Um, even on the outside, sometimes we say, okay, the inside house is yours, the outside house is mine, okay? <laughs> but even on the outside of the house, how she likes to do her garden, what kind of plants she wants, okay? Um, I have my opinions, and I, you know, I like this tall, I like the uh, prairie grass. You know, when we drive out in the country and we see it turning colors, she hates the prairie grass. She hates. So, do we have prairie grass around our house? Yeah. No, we don't have prairie grass I'll around our house. Okay. Um. <laughs> and guys, it sounds like it sounds like you're like, oh, especially if you have a boyfriend or girlfriend, you're like, oh, I would give that up easy. <laughs> I would give that up so easy. There's no way I would ever fight him, but you would because you're a little sinner. In, mar like in, in marriage, then you start thinking, I'm the one that made the money. Okay, there's that money problem again. I'm the one who spent my time doing this. I'm the one who takes care of the yard out there. Why can't I? Why can't I have it my way? That's what we think. Um, the last vacations. Let's go where she wants to go. Just, she don't want to go to NBA basketball game at the Boston Gardens. She'd rather go look at some historical old building thing. Okay. Okay. Uh, simple things. Where, she, where does she want to go eat? Where does she prefer to eat tonight when we go out to eat? You know, it doesn't have to be my way. And I talked to a guy just last week and a wife that that was his, I mean, she never got to pick where they went to eat. That's two weeks in a row we've heard that. Yeah. Okay. Um, so those are self-seeking for me. Go ahead. Um, I think we answered a lot of it on, on number three, too, but um, I think it's viewing, not, not being self-seeking is really viewing life through the lens of the gospel message through Christ and, um, you know, that he did die for me. Uh, I, I think there's a lot of things self-centeredly, like the way I'd like to keep the house. And I mean, the things he's talking about can go two ways. And so, you know, do we sometimes take trips to basketball games? We have, not the place he said, but we have. You know, it can be, you know, I remember for his Until birthday. You came. When, yeah, we did. So, but I remember one year for his birthday, taking him to um, golfing. Yeah. He loves to golf. This is a boring game. Anyway, uh, <laughs> so guess what I did? I drove a golf cart around the golf this, field while he, while he chased a tiny little ball with a stick all day long. That was okay? <laughs> but I did it joyfully because I knew he loved it. He thought it was wonderful for me to do it. And so, you know, it, it, it's, it, it just really, it's a give and take. And it's, um, you know, trying to, it's again, those kindnesses. What is it he would like? This is what he would like. Man, I, I played one of my best games that day. <laughs> I mean, I had my girl there watching me, man. I was like, boom, 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 boom. I was like, wow. I'll have to do that one again. I guess. Oh, that was but, good. But, you know, also in self-seeking, I know that there's a lot of, and, and this probably applies to a lot of them, but just little things like when we first got married, 
Um, and let me tell you something, this has changed because of his love for me. But when we first got married, I can remember him going off to work and me being stuck in the house. And there's his socks over there by this chair where he took them off and his shoes over there. And, you know, the, the, the things that he left all over the place and just going. And I remember complaining to an older woman and she said, pick it up, take care of it and pray blessings on him, you know? And, and it's out of sight, and you're not gonna complain about it. So don't let it sit there all day long looking at it, you know, looking at, I just, so I learned to take care of it, and guess what? You know, pretty soon he was doing it himself, and, and he doesn't, you know, he rarely leaves his socks. Hey, around. this is one of the things on kindness I try to do. I travel for a living, okay? And so when I leave to go traveling, I, 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 I try to make sure I don't have nothing left around. For her to pick up, he does a lot so she don't have to pray a blessing on me. Because <laughs> okay, not easily angered. Um, woo, this is a, this is a hard one for me because. Um, but when we're talking about this marriage relationship, not being easily angered at her, so a lot of times that happens when that spouse says something you don't want to hear. Okay, something critical of you or uh, something. So I have to, and I'm striving still to learn this today, is that I've got to think and know she loves me. She wants the best for me. And she's not trying to hurt me. So I have to think about that truth mm -hmm. to not get easily angered. And I, I think that's important. Again, it's perspective and it's what we're choosing to think about. Um, and I don't know if you had that somewhere else or if you had, I remember you wrote down to the, something that we learned a while back. Is, it's, yeah, later. <laughs> oh, it's later, then yeah. I won't say that yet. So, but, <laughs> but it is choosing what we think and it's, it's choosing our expectations. So when I have an expectation for him and he doesn't arrive at that expectation, then that means that I am, you know, I, I'm either going to have to choose to go, okay, it's okay, or I'm going to choose, often we choose to get angry because we're not thinking about it. I sometimes have expectations I don't even realize I have. And so that's where you stop and you say, okay, what is it that I was wanting so desperately? Um, and so that, I, I think expectations are huge on not being easily angered. Um, and no records, of, no records of wrong is I can't say uh, remember when and say something she did wrong. Now I should say I remember when you did something right. It's okay to keep records of rights. You of actually my spouse. should. And we, I should. We, should. we should be doing that because that's what we need to go yeah. back to every time. But, okay, you know what? This, this is what I love about my husband. And, and I will tell you that there are a lot of times when we, there's something really about our spouse that we, we desperately love and we desperately hate. <laughs> and so you have to think about that and try to, try to remember the positive. So, so if I have a really strong leader as a husband, <coughs> which is a good thing in a husband, right? Um, then I need to remember the good parts about him being a leader and not the parts of like, oh, he didn't lead the way I wanted or I felt crushed or run over because he was just so strongly leading in our marriage. I need to go, you know what? He's supposed to lead in my marriage. God, thank you that he's willing to lead in our marriage because that's really a tough role. And so I think if we, if we take those things that, that, are, that are those negatives that we feel like about our husbands and look at, okay, but wait a minute, what is the part that, that is good in this? And there usually is. And so we can go, okay, I want to focus and remember and praise God daily for the things that are the positives. How long did we go to? Oh. Uh, we got a little bit more time. <coughs> How long did we go to? Uh, 10.45. Oh, sweet. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, so that, that's really good. That's a lot of practical advice. And like I said, some of those things, like, you guys might be like, well, I would never keep a record of wrong when I get married. But, like, 
the first time your husband or your wife says something like, I don't like it when you do this or that or the other, you'll be like, well, remember this? And remember when you did that? And it's really easy to, uh, to do those things, even though we think right now we wouldn't do it. So moving towards, like, we're not married in here yet. So and I'm kind of changing the question on this one, so uh, a little bit off the cuff. But six and seven are about a girlfriend or boyfriend and how we can sacrificially love them. But what are some like red flags and some stuff we say okay this person's not sacrificially loving me now they won't then what does that look like how do you see like what are you like well i shouldn't be with this person because i can tell they're not going to sacrificially love me how many of you want if when you get married at the age of 30 okay how many of you would want to have a spouse who loves you sacrificially raise your hand how many of you would want a spouse to love you we all would. So here's some things you can see in a boyfriend or a girlfriend to know whether they'll be able to do that for you. Okay? This, that's pretty good information right here I'm getting ready to give you. Okay? Number one, how do they treat their mom and dad? Is the girl loving her mom and dad sacrificially? Okay? Number two, if they have brothers and sisters, how are they living with their brothers and sisters? So is this person loving her brother sacrificially? Are they loving their own sister sacrificially? Okay. Now, here's the big thing I want you to think about. If that's what you're going to be looking for in a, in a mate, how should you be now? Okay, so when we think about this, we need to think about if for me to live like Christ, I got to live Philippians chapter 2, where it says, Consider Andy Griffith. It's probably his brother wanting to play basketball. It is. It is. <laughs> so Philippians 2 tells me to consider other people more important than myself. So in my home right now, am I loving my mom and my dad? my brothers and my sisters the way that 1 Corinthians 13 says? Am I being patient with them? Am I being kind to them? Am I considering them more important than myself? Or am I living just as a selfish little brat? Something that I want to address really quickly is um, an angry man. Proverbs talks a lot about an angry man and not the, not the association of an angry man, okay? Um, I'm not speaking about it. <laughs> I think we need to be really aware of abuse. <laughs> he said he was angry, wasn't um, But my sister was one time in a relationship um, with, a, with a man that she thought she was wanting to marry. Um, but he would get very angry at her when she was not wanting to go along with what he was wanting. And um, I think she told me later that there were times when he would grab her arm too tightly you know, because he was not happy with what was going on. So the, the sign of anger, you know, because um, he was just mm, intense about that. Um, another point, he, he actually took his fist and hit um, the windshield of her car and broke the glass. There was a police officer. This is one of the things that helped my sister wake up. There was a police officer at some point. I don't know how the situation happened, but they were by her car. I mean, she wasn't getting a ticket or anything, but for some reason somewhere, and he was, he was talking to her and he said, did your boyfriend do that? 
And she said, yes. And he said, you're next. So be aware of that kind of, you know, just it, because sometimes we're so in the moment of, I just love this guy, I just love this guy, that we don't take note of these kinds of warning signs. And so be aware of some of those. Yeah, and I mean, usually with everything, the you whenever you're dating, it's a lot easier to be nice mm-hmm. to somebody. Yes. Whenever they're your fiance, it's easier to love them and be nice to them. So like, like I said several weeks in a row, like if if you're looking at your boyfriend or fiance or girlfriend, you're like, hey, like they do some a, a few good things for me, you know, and that's that means they're going to be even better when we get married. It's uh, it's probably not going to be that way. It's probably the sin is going to come out more when you get married than when you're dating or your fiance. Um, and there's a difference between, you know, we all tend to get some angry, but what are they doing with their anger? And an angry man is someone who is continually walking down that path. And the other thing that you can do, because we're, we get so blinded, especially girls, ask your, ask your mom and dad, ask other people about what they think about this person. Because there's some insight to their perspectives. And so be, be asking and be, be looking and, and willing to, to hear what other people are saying. So you have this dating relationship where you have this girlfriend and boyfriend. Like Hunter said, it's easy to just, everything is so nice. He's nice to me all the time. She's nice to me. She thinks I'm strong. Or what, you know, all these cool little feelings <laughs> that you have. And that's why I say, look at how they are living in their home. Because if you marry that person... Now you're that person in their home all the time, 24-7. Who's the, who are the hardest people to love? It's the people that were around the most. Mm-hmm. Okay? And that's why I look at their how they interact with their parents and their brothers and sisters. That'll be revealing. Yeah, that's really good. So I think we're gonna go, I think we're gonna go to number nine. So what are some ways that you can prepare yourself to sacrificially love your future spouse? Even if you don't have a boyfriend or girlfriend or fiance right now, how can I prepare myself to love my future spouse sacrificially? It goes back to exactly what he said. We need to practice by sacrificially loving our sisters and our brothers, our mom and our dad, those people that we live with, practice. I'm going to read Philippians chapter 2 because I've said it a lot. And when we're talking about love, this is really good. Philippians chapter 2, 3, and 4 says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition okay, or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourself. Each of you should not look only to your own interests, but to the interest of others. I mean, that's such a, a great verse to live by in our homes because that would eliminate a lot of this um, trouble, heartache, and dissension, fighting, arguments, quarrels. Talks about selfish ambition. Do nothing out of selfish ambition. You know, in James chapter 3, that's what worldly wisdom is rooted in. Selfish ambition. So again, it's the opposite. We need to be living the opposite of this meism that we see out there. Yeah, that's good. How many of you guys are really good at loving your brothers and sisters? You do it all the time really well. Hey, one, okay? Uh, so... We can all work on that, right? What's that guy's name back there? We can all... Kellen or Kelson, one of them. So we can all work on that, and we can all strive to do that better. And if we do that, that'll help us in the future when we get married uh, to be able to love our spouse. So that's really good. All right, final question before we get into, you know, your final statements and, and questions for the kids. 
How does our mindset play a role in sacrificial love? That is absolutely huge, and it, it affects everything. And this is where, um, I, I know he wrote it down, it, it's um, that what I do what I do because I want what I want because I think what I think. How we think affects everything we do. We don't think it does, but it does. And we choose how we think. So if something pops into your mind, you can choose how you're going to dwell on that whether or not you're going to dwell on that thought, right? So if you go back to Philippians 4.8, and it lists eight things, and I, I, I've heard some of these people thwarp, or they, have, they had a word. I don't know what family it was that was here, but yesterday there was a couple of things talking about a word that they had, thwarp or something for those. But anyway, to help remember them. But, you know, think on those things that are true and admirable and noble and right, um, and it needs, to, it, needs to, it needs to hit them all. Um, if you can't come up with something to think about, think about scripture because it hits them all every time, right? But how I'm choosing to think is is vital to every part of my life and especially in love. So just like what we said earlier, you've got your list of, we, t we want to keep our list of negatives, right? But instead keep your list of positives, okay? The positives and the things that I'm thankful for, a gratefulness list, because that's what I need to keep going back to and that's why I keep a list so that I can go back and think. And I can dwell on these things. When, my, when, when Satan wants me to dwell on the negatives, I can go back and dwell on the positives. I've got them written right here. And so how we think is, is completely going to affect um, how, how sacrificially loving we are, how loving, how loving and all we are. And again, go back to the gospel message, viewing it through the perspective of what Christ did for me. Okay, and one of my favorites, if you guys are writing down any verses, write down Hebrews 12, 1 through 3. It's a, a, an amazing three verses on that very thing. Hunter's going to write this statement down for you guys to remember someday. Okay, I, and she said, I do what I do. Okay, no. I want what I want because I... No. Okay, what should I write down? Write, write down what my <laughs> wife says right here. Write, write this down because this is important. Write it down. I do what I do because I want what I want because I think what I think. Okay, so the, the battle's in the mind. I know Hunter talks to you guys about that. The battle's in the mind. I do what I do because I want what I want because I'm thinking about that. And if we're thinking, our, our natural thought line is selfish, right? <laughs> So that's why we have to battle it, because our just our natural self thinks selfishly. I want this. I want that. Here's what I. And when you're single, it's relatively easy, right? Because I'm I'm 20. You know, I was 24 when I married, so I'm 22 years old. Well, I can go to Colorado and go snowboarding if I want. Nobody cares, right? I'm single. I can do what I want. Uh, but when you get married, it changes. It changes. Then we have kids. It changes again. Um, and so. It's a whole nother, whole nother thing we can have to talk about. Um, so, all right. So, I'm going to open it up for questions for you guys before we do our final uh, statement or whatever we do each week. So, do any of you guys have any questions for them about sacrificial love or about just anything at all? And the practicality of it or anything or how you should love your mom and dad or brother and sister? Yeah. Did you get the TV back? Did you get the TV back? <laughs> Did you get it back? Yes. Um, we actually had TV. We just we didn't have, have cable. So we watched old movies like the one that played the on my VCR phone. Yeah. Andy Griffith. Okay. 
<laughs> we watched Andy Griffith. We had all these old DVD or uh, not DVDs, VCR tapes, and we watched movies. They're like on. these black boxes that have. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so we we watched those. And it was, yeah, it was just more limited, and it was not as in our face. <coughs> yeah. After the kids have gotten grown and gone, we have TV now. Actually, when we moved out into nowhere land and we had no we, connections, we got, we got there, it for yeah. news and the and weather and those kinds of stuff. And 9-11 and happened during that time. Yeah. And yeah, it stayed after that. But okay. Yeah. For a season, God had us not having it. So. Yeah. Good question. Good question. Any other questions? Good question. Reese, I'm counting on you. No question for you. I'm just I can read Hebrews 12, 1 through 3. Okay, my mom wants to read Hebrews 12, 1 through 3, and then we have, we have time just for the statement. So. Okay, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Yeah, that's really good. And you guys, going into marriage, you guys should all fix your eyes on Christ. Like uh, that verse says in... You should, I've, I've said this before, and I, don't, I mean, I don't know, I, I've only been married four years, but I think that we should go into marriage, because a lot of times we go into marriage thinking, what are the questions we ask ourselves when we're getting ready to marry somebody? Is this person right for me? Me, okay? Is this person right for me? Uh, do they compliment me? Um, what are some other things we ask? How am, you know, do, do I, do we fit together? Am I, you know, am I going to work well with this person? Am I going to live good with this person? These are good questions to ask, but really, ultimately, what it boils down to is you should be marrying that person because you want to serve them for the rest of your life. You know, like, I'm going to marry this guy or this girl because I'm going to serve them for the rest of my life. And if you go into marriage with that mindset of sacrificial love like that, it's going to change the way your marriage is. It will. Um, and... 99.9% of people don't go into marriage with that in mind. I mean, 99% of marriage go into marriage thinking selfish thoughts or thinking, hey, what can I get out of this marriage? What can this person give me? Mm -hmm. I'm marrying this person because they can give me this. And uh, even the very first week, Adam and Brandy talked about it, and they talked about wrong reasons to get married. A lot of those went back to this person can give me this. They can get me out of this situation. They can give me this mm -hmm. kind of thing. They can get me away from my parents. They can do this for me. They can do that for me. All those are selfish, every single one of them. So uh, really when we marry, we should say, is this person the person I want to serve for the rest of my life? And, I mean, if you go into marriage like that, it's going to radically change the way you live with your spouse. And so uh, be thinking about that even as you've got a boyfriend or girlfriend or whatever. So, all right, so one sentence. Uh, if you have to give one sentence... Uh, to the non-married kids in here, one sentence of advice for marriage, what would it be? Always seek God first. Above your, above the spouse, above <coughs> every, everything. God first. Mine is choose wisely. Now, I knew there was more, so I just waited. <laughs> I knew we wanted to just leave it at that. How do we know what wisdom, how do we, how do we know what wisely is? And what wisdom is. 
Okay, James chapter 3 tells us. He says, Worldly wisdom is rooted in bitter envy and selfish ambition. But we want to choose wisely. And it says godly wisdom is, first of all, pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit. Okay, so choose wisely. Is this decision pure? Does it develop peace? Okay. Is it considerate? Is it submissive? Who, who's our authority? Is it submissive? Is it full of mercy? Okay, and mercy is not giving someone what I think they deserve. Okay, that's a good definition of mercy. So that's what choosing wisely really looks like. So choose wisely. Yeah, and that's what this whole—that's what this whole series is for, right? It's so that we can have wisdom, so we can choose wisely and go into marriage with the right perspectives. Why? So Proverbs three says it, so we can be blessed in what we do. I would rather go into marriage and have a blessed marriage because I chose wisely and because I had this wisdom going in then go in and try and learn all this stuff as we're going through marriage and maybe have some consequences even because I didn't seek wisdom before I got married. Um, so that's really good. So, all right, give them a round of applause. Thank you guys for coming. Traveling all the way down here. Uh, Brent, you want to close some prayer? Thanks for joining us for True to the Bible podcast. We hope that you enjoyed this lesson. If you have any questions about this lesson or any of the other True to the Bible podcasts, don't hesitate to contact us at hunter.davis at stillwaterbible.org. Thanks again for tuning in. We hope that you join us for our next lesson.